I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We invite the Spirit of God to minister to our hearts, minister to our lives, speaking to our circumstances, and most of all, change us into your image from glory to glory. As I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit stepping up to minister life to your people. I pray today, Father, that our hearts will be ready and our minds will be receptive to receive the incorruptible seed of your word. And I declare that understanding will come come forth and that our lives will be changed for the better as we exercise that which we hear today. And I give you thanks and praise for all you're doing in our church, in our lives, and in our families. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our nation declares the month of October to be clergy month. It's a month where our country takes the time to honor and appreciate ministers for the work that they do across the world. So can you all help me appreciate all of our pastoral staff who work here and support the work here at Word of Truth Family Church? Can you give all of our pastors a big hand clap? Amen. October is also the time that Word of Truth has decided to honor my wife and I as founders of Word of Truth Family Church. And it is a privilege for me as the senior pastor of this church to share a message today that is normally shared by people, uh, by other pastors. In other words, it's very rare for you to hear a message about giving to a pastor from the pastor himself. Now, the reason I'm teaching you this is because I want you to understand that this is not a game. I want you to understand that there are ways that God has already put in his word that if we will exercise them, they will take us from a normal life to what the world would call an abnormal life. So I want to share this because, see, I have been a sheep longer than I've been a shepherd. In other words, what I'm saying is, where the Truth Family Church is only 12 years old, I started pastoring when I was 40, which was 12 years ago, but I'm 52, which means that I have been sitting where you are sitting longer than what I've been, where I'm standing right now. In other words, I've been a sheep longer than I've been a shepherd. So today, if you're taking notes, my message title is different than what's on the CD. So if you're taking notes, the title is The Reward of Honoring Your Pastor. The reward of honoring your pastor. And let me tell you why it's going to be so easy for me to teach you this. And let me tell you why I'm going to do it with such boldness. It's because I believe in what I'm teaching. Amen. It's sad to say, but the world that we live in tends to make light of how important it is to not only have a pastor, but they make light of how important it is to honor them. 
Now, what's interesting about people in the world is that they don't mind us giving honor to people, you know, who would never make a spiritual deposit in our lives. In other words, they don't mind you honoring Des Bryant from the Dallas Cowboys. They don't mind you honoring uh, superstars and people in the music industry. And what's interesting is that most of these people we will either never meet personally, but for sure they will not never make a spiritual deposit in our lives. So that's amazing how the world wants us to honor people, but those same people that they want us to honor will never transform our lives. People who may entertain us, but never help to transform us. So today, I want to briefly share with you the reward of honoring. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Mark chapter 6, verse 34, Mark 6, 34, and then Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now, I'm going to be using a lot of scripture this morning, and I'm doing it for one reason. A lot of people who come here to Word of Truth Family Church, they may not have been going to church before they got to us. So they may not have gotten the foundational teaching on something like this. That's number one. Number two, I'm using scripture because it's easy for someone to to argue with my opinion, but it's very difficult to argue with the word. Amen. And then I'm coming out of the word to show you that God's word is true. So that was Mark chapter 6, verse 34, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and then we'll move over to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 4. Once people get saved and become members of the body of Christ, the next spiritual step should be that they join a local church and connect to a local church. But what I've noticed is that when people even do that, they rarely unlock their potential by discovering their personal purpose. Say personal purpose. In other words, when you and I make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives, The next step should be us connecting to a local church. And at that local church should be a pastor that God is going to use to lead you and feed you. But I've discovered that sometimes when people even connect to a local church, they don't discover what their personal purpose is. And here is why. They don't realize that their personal purpose that God's called them to do is tied to the spiritual leadership of that pastor. In other words, what I'm saying is in order for someone to get the reward of honoring, they must first get a revelation of why they need a pastor. And the average person does not really see that they need a pastor. Now, see, you can want to eat and then you can need to eat. When you want to eat, that just means, you know, I, I, I saw a commercial on TV and it was a pizza commercial and now I want a pizza. That's different than being on that show Naked and Afraid. Have y'all seen that show? Uh, it's, how many have seen the show Naked and Afraid? Let me see your hand. Okay, so the rest of y'all are too saved. Okay, well, what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a show that they actually take a man and a lady who don't know each other. They're from two different parts of the world. They, they, they send them to a remote location uh, with no food, no water, and no clothing, and they have to make it for 21 days. Well, I've watched that show, and one of the things about that show is they reach a point where they don't just want food. They reach a point where they need some food. And until you reach a point that you know that you need a pastor, then a pastor will be optional in your life. And anytime someone that God has deemed to be important becomes optional to you, then whatever that person is supposed to bring into your life, they won't bring because you don't feel there's a need for it. Can I get an amen from the church? 
Amen. So Mark chapter 6 verse 34, it shows that pastors are people that God has created to care for his sheep. Watch what it says. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people and he was moved with much compassion toward them. Because these people, they were as sheep, not having a what? Not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. In other words, Jesus, as he was ministering, he saw these people as sheep, not having a shepherd. Just look at your neighbor and say, you look like a sheep. Just go ahead and tell them. Say, you look like a sheep. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you smell like one too. Go ahead and tell them. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. God sees people as sheep who need shepherds. In Luke chapter 2 verse verse 8, you don't have to turn there, but it says this. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. When you look up the word shepherds there, it also translates in the New Testament as the word pastor. Now, go to Jeremiah 23. I told you to go there. Jeremiah 23, because I want to show you verse 4. God put spiritual shepherds in place to feed, protect, to sheep, to lead, to encourage, and to prosper. In other words, God has a, a pastor in your life to help lead you, feed you, protect you, and prosper you. It says in Jeremiah 23, 4, and this was God talking. He says, and I will set up shepherds, watch this, over you or over them. Which will feed them. Let's stop here because I just want to point something out. Notice he says, I will set up shepherds over them. In other words, a shepherd is someone who spiritually oversees you. And anytime you become equal with your pastor spiritually, they can't feed you anymore. Notice he said, I will put pastors over them. Which means that once you equalize yourself, the anointing doesn't flow laterally. It only flows vertically. Did y'all get that? In other words, the anointing starts at the top and it flows its way down. So if once I'm equal, and this is why Jesus said, man, the, 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 the teacher and the, uh, the student will never be the same. I don't care how old my pastor gets. He will always know more than I know. Amen. Well, watch what he says in Jeremiah 23, 4. I will set up shepherds, pastors over them, which will feed them. And shall, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Notice those things in there. He says, a pastor is supposed to feed me. They will cause me to fear no more, nor will I be discouraged. Watch this. And neither shall you be lacking. In other words, a pastor in your life should make your life better. Amen. So here's the thing though. Because some people who don't have a revelation that they need a pastor, they've they've stopped growing because they already know what's being taught. See, some of y'all say, I heard that before, Pastor. And see, the issue with stopping growing is not that you know what you already hear. The issue with stopping growing, which means that you've stopped eating. How many know that if you have a kid and and as long as you feed that kid, that kid's going to keep growing? Well, as long as you and I as sheep continue to eat, we'll keep growing. The problem with a lot of people who come to church sometimes, they stop growing. And it's not because the food's not there. They stop growing because they've decided to not eat what's there. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, have you stopped eating? Ask them, have you stopped eating? Now. 
you can eat food that's good for you or you can eat junk food. How many like junk food? Let me see. If you like junk food, yeah. Uh, the beginning of the year, I made a decision to stop eating junk food. Now, you have to understand, that was a real bit. Now, I didn't, I didn't say I stopped drinking junk food. I stopped eating junk food. So, you know, like hot dogs and hamburgers, and I, I just don't do it. Well, immediately when I did that, man, I just dropped like 12 pounds. I mean, I had 12 pounds with the hot dogs on me. I mean, and they just came off. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do no special diet. I just stopped eating the junk, right? Well, a lot of times as believers, we're not hungry when we come to church because we've been fed by the Internet. We've been fed by the CD. We've been... Sp- been fed by the you know by uh streaming but see a computer cannot take the place of a pastor i can prove it to you have somebody in your family to die and ask the computer to come do the funeral touch your neighbor and say he's 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 real right now he's real right now yeah no no Uh, our society is moving toward self-reliance It's moving toward us not needing each other. See, the spiritual growth is not the, listen, independence is not the goal for spiritual growth. Interdependence is the, is the goal. See, a lot of times, you know, when you got a little baby, they are dependent on you. You have to feed them. You have to change them. You have to help them. And then as they grow a little older, you know, they get into the toddler stage. Now they don't want you to help them. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. That's the, you know, independent stage. But as believers, We move from, we should move into interdependence, meaning that we are one of each other. We are members of a body and we're no good without each other. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23, I'm going to read this verse and here's why. Because God has designed each one of us to have one pastor and to be planted in one church. Ezekiel 34, 23, watch what it says. And I will set up one shepherd, say one shepherd. I will set up one shepherd over them. Notice that word again. And this shepherd will do what? Feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them and he shall be their shepherd. In other words, I'm showing you that church hopping won't help you grow. Now, it's one thing that, you know, you're looking for a church. That's one thing. And then it's another thing to stay at home because you're not feeling well. But it's another thing that you say, well, I'll I'll just listen to the CD on Monday. Or it's another thing to church hop because I know people who are members of a church in Arkansas, but they've been in Texas for 10 years. I say, well, how do you go to church every Sunday? I don't, but when I visit my mother, I go back. Well, how many know you can't get fed that far apart? So in Ephesians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there. It talks about what we need or what God has done for us as to have pastors. He says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints so the saints can do the work of ministry. In other words, God has given us pastors to help perfect us. That means that we're perfecting also means to mature us and to grow us. So I need a pastor. Just look at your neighbor again and say, I need a pastor. Now, what's interesting is in in, in verse 12, it says, for the perfecting of the saints, so the saints can do the work of ministry. When you look that word ministry up, 
It's the same word serving. When Martha and Mary were, were uh, waiting for Jesus, and this is in Luke chapter 10, verse 40 and 41, but it says that, you know, Jesus said to Martha, you are careful and troubled about, about many things. Uh, what he said about Martha uh, is that she was working, 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 and, and she asked Jesus, you going to let my sister... Let me serve alone. The word serve is the same word uh, ministry there. So when Jesus told us in Ephesians that he gave us pastors to do the work of ministry, he really meant to do the work of service. And so here's the, here's the million dollar question that I want to get to today that I think will be a blessing to you. Uh, I ask myself the question, what have I done over the last 25 years of my life that has helped me accelerate spiritually, accelerate emotionally and accelerate financially. I ask myself that. I said, what can I say to people that I have done over the last 25 years that, that they could duplicate and do themselves? Because you already know, Pastor Chase said it last week, one of my favorite sayings is duplicated efforts produce a similar reward. In other words, if I do what this person did, then I can expect to get a similar reward. May not the same reward, but a similar reward. Now, see, what's different about that is uh, someone may have a gift to play football, and I can't duplicate that because I'm not built to play football. Okay, so so what about, you know, giftings that other people may have? That's not what I'm talking about in duplicating. I'm not talking about, listen to this, duplicating a person's activity. I'm talking about duplicating a person's principles. So I ask myself the question, Eben, what have you done over the last 25 years that is tangible enough for people to see, but is principled enough for people to do? And I came up with three things. Everybody say three things. Here's the first three things, and it's not on the notes back there. I'm just flowing the way I want to flow this morning. But the first thing that I did, I made sure that I honored any pastor that I served. I honored them. Whether they were right or not, I honored them. And the word honor, when you look it up, it means to respect, to reverence, uh, to respect and to give reverence. And so one of the things that I did, I made sure that I honored all of the pastors that I served. And I've really only had three pastors in my life, only three. And those three I made sure I honored. And my current pastor, who is going to be my pastor, to either I die or he die, because that's just how I am. I'm all in. I'm a ride or die person. Now, if he get off into some sin and don't repent of it, then how many know then, then, then Pastor Evans is going to follow you as long as you follow in Christ. You stop following Christ, I'm going to stop following you. But I'm going to tell y'all, if I stop following Christ, y'all stop following me. Amen? Amen. So I'm not talking about somebody getting into some crazy stuff, but I'm just saying I decided, you know, I was going to honor my pastor. And, and, I, and, and here's why, because the Bible tells me to. It tells me to honor. And if you don't watch it, the very people who want to keep you down in life are the very people who are telling you to do the opposite of what I'm telling you. Amen. So one of the things I did is, is I decided to honor my pastor. And uh, one time, y'all know this story, but I'm just telling you this for the sake of, of, of understanding here. Uh, my second set of, my first real set of pastors, it was a husband and a wife, kind of like here, but it was a much smaller church. And uh, we used to go to camp every year. And uh, this camp is where we would spend a week. And, you know, it was spiritual camp. It was great. And so this particular year, we were going to camp. And uh, uh, I'll never forget, 
on the way there, we were driving two vans, you know, two 15-passenger vans. And one of the vans, you know, we were all taking turns drive, driving. And so, you know, uh, it wasn't my time to drive on the way down, but it was on my time to drive on the way back. So on the way down, I noticed that my friend, who his name was Doug, Doug was driving. And I noticed that the pastor's wife was telling him every turn to make. Can you? Yeah, that's right. Ooh, brother, that's right. I mean... He would be in the right-hand lane, and she would want him to turn to the left, in the left-hand lane. I mean, she was pretty much, t- nothing wrong with the left-hand lane, wasn't nothing right, wrong with the right-hand. She just wanted to tell him how to drive. Well, I have a problem with backseat drivers. So, I knew I was like, Lord, I started praying from then. I was like, Lord, please, when I drive the van, please don't have her do that to me. So, so while we were at camp, I had a dream. In this dream, uh, I was going off on my pastors. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was said or done. But in the dream, I was just going off. When I say going off, you know, just disrespecting them and, and, and talking crazy to them. And, and I might even cuss in there a few times, I, you know. But I was going off on the pastors, you know. And uh, it was out of character because everybody in the dream was looking at me like, wow. Because at that time, I was Minister Evans. So they was like, what is wrong? Minister Evan, he's going off on the pastors. And, you know, I'm going off. And so I woke up from the dream and I'm at camp and I'm like, Lord, because that dream was real. I was like, Lord, what what, what does that dream mean? He says, Evan, your heart is getting off towards your pastor. I said, what do you mean my heart getting off? It was a dream. Did you see? It was a dream, God. He said, "Your, your heart is getting off. You need to get your heart right. Well, how many know I didn't pay attention to the Lord? So... On the way back home, guess whose time it is to drive the van? Minister Evan. So I get in the van. I'm, I'm driving. And we're not even on the highway good. Evan, could you get over into the right lane? You know how you fake it off and smile? Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's good, ain't he? Evan, can you get over in the left-hand lane? Okay. And so my spirit... Started being defiant because I don't like backseat drivers. And by we, by the time we got to the third or fourth, Evan, can you change lanes? The same thing I did in that dream is what I did. I sure did. I pulled over that van. I, ah! I was like, "Who driving? Who do you want to drive?" I mean, I went. Yeah, see, I was. I went off, y'all. I went O-F-F, not the spray off, I went off. (laughs) And while I was going off in reality, everybody's looking at me like, what happened to Minister Evan? And just like the Bible says, Joseph remembered the dream, I remembered the dream. The Lord said, Evan, you are going off right now. In other words... The way that you honor your pastor, watch this, is to keep your heart right towards them. And the way the world is set up, they don't want your heart right. That's why they, that's why people talk about pastors. That's why a lot of times people, they, they not eating pork chops for lunch. They eating pasta. <laughs> what you have for lunch? Girl, I had evangelist Roper and Pastor Evan for dinner. And I had for my appetizer, Pastor Sarah. What did you have? No, no, no. They don't want you to keep your heart right. Because I'm going to show you here the last point. 
Keeping my heart right is what produces a harvest in my life. So the first thing that I did is I made sure that I always honored my pastor. Did I repent? Of course I had to repent. I had to go back and tell him I was sorry. You know, that's humbling. But at the end of the day, you got to get it right. You got to get it right. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get it right. The second thing that I did that helped me connect with my pastor is that I listened to and obeyed my pastors. Now, it's real quiet on that one. But there's a scripture, and you can just find it. You can write it down. It's in Hebrews. But it says this, Obey those that have rule over you and submit yourselves for them, for they watch over your soul. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself. And see, here's what I discovered as a sheep. I discovered that you can obey and not submit. Because I thought they were the same. Well, if you did what they told you to do, didn't you submit it? No, 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 no. You can obey them physically and be rebelling mentally and spiritually. And so I made a decision that I was going to obey not just what they said personally. I'm talking about obey what they taught me. And when I started obeying this word, my life started changing. See, I didn't know that God could... Bless me the way he has blessed me without all of my help. In other words, you know, I, I, my dream in life was to make it on Forbes magazine. I wanted to be, back in the day, this is before we had a black president and this is before all that stuff. I wanted to be the black, the first black man on Forbes magazine. That was my dream. I wanted to be a businessman. That's what I did. And so that's what my major's in. That's what all my background is in. That's I've owned businesses and all that stuff. And so that's what I wanted to do. But there, there became a point where it was obvious to me that God didn't want me to do that. He wanted me to be a, pe- a preacher or a pastor. And uh, how many know that, that that takes a special calling? No, it takes a special calling. And so, you know, so watch this. If I'm gonna, if y'all gonna obey me, I gotta obey my pastor. So all these years, I've, I've obeyed, I obeyed, I obeyed, and uh, I remember one particular time. In fact, it was kind of like this, but it was different. We were in a leadership meeting at a church, and I was like one of the leaders, and and uh, we were raising money to to be a blessing to the pastor. So you know, I mean, and I'm the leader in that because I'm I'm a giver. So I'm like, hey, y'all, we can do this, and we had a goal that we was trying to do, and and so we had a timeline, and everybody's trying to do it. And uh, and the pastor came in. He wasn't even supposed to be a part of all that, but he came in. He heard what was going on, and uh, and and we weren't moving fast enough for him. So he was like, "Well, why y'all haven't done this?" And, and and so I'm getting offended in my chair. I'm getting offended. Wait a minute. First of all, you shouldn't even be in here. Second of all, we're trying to help you. We're trying to be a blessing to you. What what what? You need to go somewhere and sit down, and let us be a blessing. You can't make us be a blessing to you. So I'm sitting down. I am getting offended. I'm being heated like broccoli. I am upset. And so I decided, because see, in my mind, I, I, he shouldn't be doing all that. So I started, you know, because see, once someone offends you, then the best thing to do is to defend your offense. So I started offending or defending why I'm offended. 
he done this. He said that. He shouldn't have done this. And yeah, I don't even know why he got those color shoes on today because they're not matching. No, just, you know, you just find reasons for stuff. And so I started defending my offense. And I'll never forget. You know, the Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, get it straight before the next day. Well, I didn't get it straight. I slept on it. And boy, when you sleep on an offense, the fence gets higher and higher and higher. Man, that fence, by the time I saw him, that was on like a third. By the time I saw him on that Monday, that fence was way up to heaven. And I'll never forget. I mean, he walked in like everything was all right that morning. Hey, Evan, how you doing? Huh? I wasn't even talking. I was grunting. Huh? Huh? So finally I said, can I talk to you? He said, come on. I got to go to the store anyway. Come jump in the truck with me. He dropped in the truck. And, and I said, I said, I quit. Because, you know, I work for the church. I, I, I said, I quit. He said, what? I mean, I had caught this guy. Off. I mean, he's like, what? I said, I quit. He said, what happened? I said, well, you came in here. You did this and you did this. He said, he said, I didn't, I didn't know. He was literally oblivious to what was going on. He was given a deadline, but the deadline was different than what we had. And so he basically, I got offended for nothing. I done quit my job. I am unemployed. I got to tell my wife. And I got to go and talk to all of my bills about it too. Hey, hey, listen. Bills. AT&T, you going to have to wait now because I done quit. I had to honor them by obeying them. And let me tell you something. I had to go back and get that straight. And see, I said all that to say this. If the devil can just get you and keep you offended in any way. I'm, and you know what? Most of y'all, y'all love me. Y'all ain't offended with me. But y'all might have been offended with Brother Pharaoh, Pastor Pharaoh, that y'all came from his church. I know you came here because the praise and worship is good and, you know, and Pastor Evan is a great looking guy and he teaches that word and he's good. And Pastor Sarah is like uh, a younger Joyce Meyer and she can preach that word. I know you came for that. You really came because Reverend Pharaoh hurt you. And, and here's what churches don't realize. And I'm closing on this one. I mean, I'm, I'm getting out of this subject because I know I can feel it right now. Some people who have left the church because they were upset doesn't know that the seed of upsetness is still in them. And this is why, listen, this is why it's been difficult for you to connect to the next church because uh, subliminally you don't want to connect because you haven't gotten over the hurt that you had. So, so what it looks like, you, you, you look like a model you know, uh, uh, church goer because you're there, you did, but you really haven't connected. And it's only because Reverend Pharaoh hurt you. So you ain't got to go back to Reverend Pharaoh, but you need to say, Lord, listen, he, that, that person hurt me and I need you to help me. So I honored them. I obeyed them. But here's the third thing that I did. And I do it so well now that it seems natural is I learned how to sow into my pastor. Now, I learned this one. Uh, I, you know, I learned this one as, as, as a parishioner or as a sheep. But I really, really, really learned it when I became a pastor. Now, go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to close right here. Philippians chapter 4. 
Philippians 4. We're going to close right here. There are so many different examples in the Bible about people giving to a man of God. And, and you all have heard that, but I want to show you in the Bible what it actually means to do that and why you should do it. Because the world has made giving to the pastor about the pastor when giving to the pastor is really about you. See, remember the lady who, uh, the, the widow woman who the Bible says she was gathering sticks and, uh, Elijah was over here and the Bible says that God fed him with a raven, brought him meat and he drank from the, the river and he did that and then God said, I want you to go to Zarephath and there's gonna be a woman who's, she's a widow woman, she's gonna feed you. Well, when he got there, the widow woman was fixing some food and she only had enough food for her and her son. And the Bible says Elijah came to her and said, hey, listen, I want you to fix me a sandwich first. And she said, oh, wait a minute. I don't have enough for you. All I have is enough for me and my son. And after we eat that, we're going to die. And see, what this woman didn't realize is that Elijah, watch this now. She wasn't there to really feed Elijah because God was feeding him supernaturally before she got there. He didn't need her. Listen, he didn't need her. God just wanted to use her. And see, sometimes we think, oh, they need. No, no, no. God wants to use us. And what happened is the moment she obeyed the man of God, increase came in her life. And there is a there is an exchange that if you will learn how to do as a member of the church, if you will learn how to do this. And you know what? Lots of you, I didn't realize, check the pastor box on the, on the envelope. I didn't know that. I, my parents do it. I said, wow. But but I learned something that when I learn how to sow into my pastor's life, there's an exchange of grace that happens. In Philippians chapter 4, if you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, if you all would, put it on the screen. I'm going to start in Philippians 4, and I'm going to read in verses uh, 10. It says, I think that's verse 10. No, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and what? And receiving, but you only. He says, for even when I went to Thessalonica, you sent once and what else? And again, unto my necessity. This was Paul talking to the Philippian church. Verse 17. He says, now listen, not because I desire a gift, but he says, but I desire that fruit May abound toward what? Your account. But I have all, I abound, I'm full, having received of the Epaphroditus the things which were sent to you from him. Watch this. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. In other words, he was saying when they gave to him... God saw it as a sweet smell and a sacrifice. And verse 19 is what he promises the Philippian church. He says, because you have uh, worked with me concerning giving and receiving, my God shall supply all of your need, watch this, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Watch this. The promise of all sufficiency, the promise of this supply came because the Philippian church decided to partner with Paul in the preaching of the gospel. Notice he said no other church concerning giving and receiving did this except for you. And this is where it all hits the fan. 
Right here, right here. All right. So I'm just going to be honest with you right here. Because see, this right here can be uncomfortable for a pastor because I'm talking about myself, but I'm okay with it because I do this. Uh, this is where things hit the fan in the church world because lies have already been, you know, put out there about a pastor. When, let me just help you. Almost seven out of ten pastors work two jobs. In other words, statistics show, just look it up, 65%, I just want to use a roundup, 70% or 7 out of 10 pastors, because there's no such thing as six and a half pastors. 7 out of 10 pastors are bivocational, which means that their church cannot afford for them to be a pastor full time. Okay, so that means only 3 pastors out of 10 work to be full time. So how can the church or the pastor be getting rich off the church when he's working two jobs? Help me, church. Help me, church. But see, the world will tell you. See, I'm just privileged that I'm one of the three. But you know what? I'm not only privileged to be one of the three. You know why I'm one of the three? Because I obeyed God from the beginning. He said, I don't want you to work. This is what I want you to do. We didn't have this many members in our church when we started. Now, had he promised me that, he said, Evan, one day you're going to have this many people coming to church. So go ahead and do this full time. He didn't say that. He just said, I want you to do it full time right now. Well, Well, Lord, I can count how many people came to church Sunday. I want you to do it right now full time. Which means that you have to do this by faith. Anytime a pastor does this for money, they won't last. No, you can't, you can't do this for money. No, no, no. You can't do a call for money. Because a call is something that, that God requires of you whether you do it or not. And so... This is where it hits the fan, but this is where now the devil don't want you to know. Because, see, uh, there are different kinds of, of seeds that you can give, and I'll throw this. Uh, you have what, what you call obedient giving. That's when we're supposed to give our tithe and offering, or our tithe. Then you have offering giving. Of course, that's when we, there are three types of offering giving. You got on your own giving. You have over and above giving. That's sacrificial. And you have what I call opportunity giving. And see, opportunity giving is when we have an opportunity to give in a way that's not normal. And like today, to me, to, to me today is opportunity giving because it's going to open up doors for you that regular giving couldn't have done. You say, well, Pastor, how do I know that? Because if all types of giving was the same, they would all have the same promise, but they don't. See, there are certain things that when you do, like the widow woman, when she sold and gave that man of God that food first, the Bible says that her food lasted until the famine ended. Everybody say, that's supernatural living. Yeah, there's a lady in the Bible who built the man of God a place to stay at their house. And because she did that, he prayed and asked God to give her a kid when she was barren. But she ended up getting a kid. Amen. And so then you have opportunities where wisdom will come. Uh, Saul and his servant was leaving and uh, they, they, their dad had lost some, some donkeys. And they was looking for the donkeys and finally they, they, they couldn't find them. And they said, you know what? There's a man of God in this city that can tell us where those donkeys are. You know what we're going to do? The servant said, well, what are we going to give the man of God? Well, let's find something. Because, see, they knew that in order to get something from the man of God, they could give something to the man of God. And they, the Bible says they gave some silver and that kind of thing. But my purpose is this. My purpose in saying this is this. When they did that, some things happened. And I believe when you go back and read First uh, Kings 17... When he said, watch this, in verse uh, 10, he told the woman, fetch me, I pray, 
a little water in a vessel. And she said, as she was going to fetch it, he says, bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she began to do that. But I want you to notice that he was saying to her, bring it to me. In fact, if you look in verse 13, and Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as you have said, but bring me, make me a cake first and bring it unto me. And I will make, and after that, make it for you and your son. So here's, this is real different because uh, I was like, Lord, how, how, how do you want me to do this? And the Lord said, have them to bring it to you. And what I'm going to do, there are three things that I believe is going to happen. A miracle, a miracle of increase, wisdom that you need to be received, and divine supply. And if you need one of those three things today, I believe if you will come into agreement, when you sow your seed to whatever it is, whatever it is, that God will give, give, cause supply to come, he will cause wisdom will come, and he will cause supernatural increase to come. How many need one of those three? If you need some increase... You need some wisdom. Because let me tell you something. When we planted that, I'm going to tell you how much we gave. Uh, no, I'm not going to tell you how much we gave. Well, I'm going to tell you because it's our, our church. When uh, we gave to our pastor this year as a church, we gave him $30,000. 30, and I was happy to give him 30000 How many know going to court would cost us three times that? Why is it that right after we gave it, somebody just called me on a Saturday? To say they will pay for a lawsuit. And then turned around and confirmed it Friday. Pastor Evan, I just want you to know I'm sticking to my promise. I'm finding the best lawyer in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we're taking care of this for Word of Truth Family Church. There is no seed you could have sown that could open up doors of favor like that. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right there. So... Did y'all give it in the first offering already? Did y'all put it in the first bucket? How many still have theirs? Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Okay, good, 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 good. Stand up, stand up, stand up. You all know the story, but you don't know the end result of the story. When my wife and I were trying to have Landon, that was a desire of our heart. We tried everything. My wife put me on every diet known to man. I stopped drinking Coca-Cola to try to have Landon. I mean, I really wanted to. If Evan Connor stops drinking Coke, he wants a baby. I stopped drinking Coke. I stopped. Look, I stopped having sugar. I mean, I, 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 I went all, I don't know what they called it. It wasn't even vegan. To me, it was Megan. I mean, it was no baby. So then my wife was like, well, you need to go to the doctor and get checked because it could be you. How many know, ladies, we don't want to get checked? Not like that. So I go to the doctor, do the test. They come back and say, well, Mr. Connor, you, you only have 9 million sperm. But you're supposed to have like 70 million something. You sure? How many was I supposed to have? You're supposed to have 20 million. Okay, well, I got the numbers mixed up. I'm supposed to have 20 million. I only have a million. But see, my attitude is, but I only need one to make a baby. So that means there's 997, 999,900 sperm unnecessary. I just need one. You mean out of one million? I can't get one up in that egg. The devil is a lie. So I go get tested. 
you out of compliance. She go to get tested. She's out of compliance. We need a miracle. So I'm sitting in the doctor's office because sister girl is pushing me to do the whole in vitro thing. Pushing, 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 push me. So whatever procedure she done came up with, we in the office and uh, the doctor said, well, you all could do this, this procedure, blah, blah, blah. So why don't you go home and talk about it? I said, well, what is it to talk about? We came here to figure out what we need to do. He said, well, you may want to talk about how much it costs. I said, what do you mean how much it costs? He says, well, this procedure costs $10,000 a try. And none of them are guaranteed. I said, what? $10,000. So I said, so I had to, so you're telling me I have to give you $10,000. You're going to have me to do this kind of procedure, but you don't know if it's going to work. He said, yeah, that's right. I said, you know what? I'll see you on the other side. I told my wife, I said, baby, let's go. We're going to get that seed to the man of God. So here's what we did. We gave, I mean, I was going to have to get a 10,000 anyway, right? But it was for a baby. I said, I'm taking my chances with the man of God. We gave that seed to our pastor. Two weeks later, how long was it? Three weeks later, guess who comes up pregnant? And how many know it worked on the first try? Because when you sow and favor shows up, it don't matter how many sperm you got. What matters is God's supernatural power on the thing.